Dr. Harry Grammer is one of the most inspiring individuals I have ever encountered. He is an Obama fellow, a CNN hero. He's got his doctorate in depth psychology, and he has really emerged in my mind as one of the brilliant leaders from this social justice movement because he's really had his hands in the mix as part of the New Earth Center, an organization that he created back in 2004 that's been supporting individuals that are transitioning in and out of the criminal justice system. He has a brilliant take on criminal justice, social justice, and how to support people. And I can't wait for you guys to listen to what he has to say. And also stay tuned at the end because we're collaborating on a big charitable campaign that can help further his ideas even farther than they already are. But before we get started, I'm going to talk to you about shaving your balls because that is something that's actually pretty iffy. It's a little risky. It's a little dangerous. You definitely breathe a little shallow. You get a little shaky because when those teeth, they start to bite your scrotum, that is not a pleasant experience. Or they start to bite the skin on your shaft. Nope, 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 nope. Nobody wants that. And what Manscaped has done is they've created a shaving system that is actually pretty foolproof. Now, I haven't really gone like completely haywire and tried to test it because the risk is too high, but nonetheless, the way that they created the system to protect you from having those bites and scratches and cuts that you might get from shaving is really remarkable. It's a great shaver. It's a great system. They have beautiful packaging, and it's just a great company designed for a specific purpose. When hair trimmer companies were designing their clippers, they were designing it for your head. And when Manscaped designed their product, they were designing it for your balls and your shaft and you know look for the ladies out there it works the same way you know if you want to go clipper style you know if you want to get a nice you know one guard going down there like there's nothing wrong with that and so it is actually universal it is called manscape though and uh, it's just a product that absolutely works great so check it out it's called the lawnmower 3.0 you can get 20 percent off plus free shipping with the code amp amp at manscaped.com that's m-a-n-s-c-a ped.com use the code amp 20 percent off and free shipping thanks fam harry it's a pleasure to sit down with you man man thank you aubrey it's good yeah, to be here you're in sure. venice <laughs> right <laughs> i'm here often california i know yeah uh, yeah i didn't know that yeah oh. out here every like eight weeks or so okay. okay yeah it's got so many people out here and just so many different interesting cool people to connect with that's really the thing that draws me back over and over again it's just for whatever you might say about la like there's a lot of really cool people here yeah LA's because it's a mixing pot man i mean it everybody's is. from everywhere mm -hmm. you know uh east coast west coast europe south america i mean this is just a big mix, mix uh melting pot mixing pot of folks coming in man to enjoy the weather Mm -hmm. enjoy the people mm -hmm. enjoy the opportunities yep so welcome to, welcome to cali brother thank you man thank you <laughs> well you've gotten you have a lot of different awards and credentials and accomplishments and that's great to see but i have to say man i mean from the moment you walked in the door all of that can go out the window because you gave about the best hug of a human being <laughs> that i've met in a long fucking time oh, yeah, so man. that counts that, a lot more to that's me that's from my bare lineage <laughs> seriously <Yeah. laughs> then all the doctorates and your yeah. obama fellow and your cnn hero i mean it's it is impressive though what you've been able to accumulate what do you think uh you know attributes to all of that you know recognition where a lot of people don't get that kind of recognition that you've gotten i mean you know i i think it's just um you step on your path 
and you know it's your path. Mm-hmm. You know, you know what you stand for. You know, you've done the work. You just and you're there. You're you're honing in constantly. I think that you know life and um, the work is is much like a refinement, right? You're, we're we're constantly tuning the radio. Um, we're you know we're in uh, Carlos Castaneda's you know separate reality where you know that assemblage mm-hmm. point, right? Like we're 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 constantly finding where we're off, where we're on, and we're bringing it back. And I think I've done. A lot of work on myself. <laughs> that, well, it, it shows, you know? right? I mean, like the, the the reconciliation of those extraneous forces is what allows you to be so radically present. Like presence is a thing that doesn't come easily. You can fake it, maybe make eye contact, but you can tell with behind those eyes, the brain is swirling around and thinking about other things. <laughs> All and these universes, about, man. Yeah, exactly. But when you can narrow that down into like really radical presence, you just... It's almost like you plant that Gandalf staff in the ground and say, I am here, I am here, I am here. That's it, brother. That's it. And so it it does, it's not surprising to me that you've gotten that recognition because I'd be like, I don't know, do I have any awards? Can I look in my trophy case? (laughs) What can I give Harry? I'm sure he deserves it. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't look, man. It's it's like, I don't, you know, we don't, I don't think, I don't think many of us look for these type of recognition. They're there. We see them. They go on a shelf. They, we keep doing the work. Yeah. Like we get back out there, you know, uh, we meet the people that, you know, these awards come with and amazing human beings, but you keep on doing the work. Like the work is what's important. You know, I'm here to be of service period. Yeah. Like that's it. Like I know that about myself. I know that I'm here to serve humanity. I know I'm here to serve my community, my, my community. And like that's what I wake up in the morning thinking. That's what I go to bed thinking about every single day because it fulfills me. It 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 it, it is exactly what I wanted when I didn't know I wanted it. You mm-hmm. know, when I was a kid and I was struggling, I'm looking around and I'm wondering what am I gonna do with my life one day? You know, and there was something always in the there was something always behind me. Something like a what felt like, and you can probably you know attest to this. Like it it felt like a freight train you know there's something there you just you can't put your finger on it mm-hmm. what is that thing and then one day when you're not even paying attention it just shows up in the mirror you know you yeah. just you look and there it is and you're like okay this this thing's on now you know for me i was uh i was i was homeless man and it wasn't until being homeless and someone walked past my tent and asked me hey man you live there and i'm like yeah, I do, you know, that I realize that I'm on the other side of it, that I'm hidden, that I'm at a, a at a new place in my life. Yeah. And then I, I was there to do the work. I wasn't there to hang out. I wasn't there just to kick it. You know, I was there to do the work and I went to work and I went to work. So I. I How old were you when you were when you were homeless? Twenty seven. Wow. And that was pre getting your doctorate. all of that so tell us about that transition i also want to circle back and talk about how important it is to have purpose i've just been reading a lot of victor frankl man search for meaning and it's so integral to so many aspects of you know psychological development which is the field that you got your doctorate in Mm -hmm. Um, but tell us a little bit about that journey because a lot of people at 27 homeless thrown in the towel you know you would you would assume that that's the that's the way that a lot of people would perceive it that this is just an, a task of such enormity that what am i going to do but you must have had a different a different take on it yeah i i'd already been struggling with with it in the first place it was just a it was it, it, it i got to a place in my life where it was like you just got to let go bro you just got to let go 
you know mm. um i had gone through a divorce you know i had i have two older children they're, they're older you know, i've got five now i got five kids total now mm -hmm. but my two kids um um i had been doing poorly financially i was trying to look for work couldn't find work there was like every door i could think of was closing on me yeah. all over the place and i had an apartment in pasadena and uh you know i was about to get evicted and before i got evicted i just said you know what guys i'm gonna go and all i had was a tent you know and i had my friends calling me hey bro come sleep on my couch and i had done that before mm -hmm. i had been there before i said no nah, man i need to go i need to go uh face this you know and i, I was thinking wow. of of nina simone's cinnamon song you know cinnamon where you gonna run to and you know i i it, there's a part in the song where you you get to the devil, right? And you got to look the devil in the face and then you just laugh, you know? Damn, that's <laughs> fucking inspiring. Damn, Harry. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and, 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 you, and you just, and you get there and you're just like, uh. Uh-huh. And you're like, <laughs> you know? And you just, you just, you just go there. Yeah. And, and, then I, and it was in that moment where I was like, all right, I got my tent, I'm going, you know? And I, and I didn't, I wanted to go to the beach, man. I, I connect with the water. I'm a double Pisces, right? Mm -hmm. So I want to connect with the water. Shit, I'm a, I don't know if I'm a single or a double. I don't know. I don't <laughs> I'm even sun know. And, sun and moon in Pisces. Shit, I got to do some astrology. <laughs> I'm a Pisces. When's your birthday? February 28th. Okay, I'm March 12th. All, all right. right, all right. Right there, man. <laughs> right there, right there. And uh, and so, you know, uh, I get there and um, and time goes on. It was only, only one other friend of mine who knew I was there, you know, and and she checked up on me from time to time and uh there was finally a moment where it was just time to go and she said well you know what are you gonna do i said well uh i'm going to uh, i've been having this reoccurring dream this reoccurring dream of me you know alone in a motel room down some dusty highway with you know uh, you know this blinky sign and it's just me in this room by myself you know i'm out here on this beach by myself um, there's surfers, there's, you know, there's people that walk by, there's birds, there's nature, but I haven't, there's no real solitude here. Mm -hmm. You know, I need solitude. I need to, I need to go in, you mm -hmm. know? And so she said, well, what do you want to do about that? I said, well, I need to find this place. I don't know where it is. I just keep dreaming about it. Mm -hmm. She says, okay, well, how about I help you? I said, what do you mean? She's like, well, let's go find it. And she said, once we find it, I'll pay for you to be there for 30 days. And, you know, you go figure whatever it is you need to figure out. And I said, okay. And I had been writing poetry. I'm a poet, so I've been, I was writing poetry and I was reading and I had, you know, my stack of books, you know, that I had had in my backpack, you know, and I had my cans of food that I had taken out there with me all those, all those months. And, um, and we finally uh, jump on the road later that day. And this, this is a much lar lar longer part of this where it just gets really kind of crazy and, and weird. There was a, actually a woman, a homeless woman who, uh, during that day had come and confirmed for me that I need to be alone in a room by myself, you know, later on that night. You know, there was a bunch of weird stuff. Those happening. winks from the divine are pretty, pretty interesting when you're, when you're really guided towards a certain path, huh? Little, little breadcrumbs. Little breadcrumbs, yeah. <laughs> breadcrumbs when you're starving, too. I know, I know. You're like, yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, normally I might ignore this, but right now I'm so hungry. Like, I cannot ignore this. And so we 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 went up to five, and we kept getting off on on exits. And I'm like, wait, wait, is this exit? She's like, is it? I'm like, no, it's not. Get back on the freeway. And we're driving for like two three hours up the five freeway, and we finally get off on 
I don't, I don't remember the name of the road, but we got off and we made a right and we made a left and we made another right, we made another left. And sure enough, a, a motel that resembled this thing I was having in my head over the last six months, like finally was like right there. And so we went to the grocery store. We loaded up with all non-perishable foods, loaded up the cart. Um, she went and paid for me to be there for all that time. Mm-hmm. And then she, I, she comes in, drops off the groceries, she leaves, closes. I close the door. I turn around the TV. I lock the door. I threw the phone under the bed, and that became my my incubator. That became my sanctuary uh, for thirty days. Wow! And I didn't leave there. And that's why I, I, one thing I knew I needed more than anything was I needed to uh, have discipline. Like my discipline was just out of whack. So I right away put together a schedule of how I'm going to spend my day. I wake up in the morning. And I, I shower or bathe, I meditate, I read, I write, I eat, I read again, I meditate, mm-hmm. I, I do a little bit of calisthenics and I, you know, you know some push-ups and yeah. work out a little bit. And then I go back to bed and I did that. And I stayed on that schedule every single day, um, all that time. And in that room, um, I had a, there was a quarter that I had. I had a quarter. And with that quarter... I was I I had drawn a circle and I was hearing this word, new earth, new earth, new earth. So I wrote the word down, new earth, and then I used the quarter to draw what is our logo now. This man stretched out with his arms wide, and I drew that and that, and I and I began to write the plan for how I was going to live out the rest of my life, which was to serve the community. Mm-hmm. So I, so so I wrote that, and after. About 30 days, she showed up and she said, is it time to go yet? I said, it's time to go. And the plan was to first go to the community and have a conversation about this first. You know, it wasn't like I'm going to just introduce it. So I started an open mic a year later in my community. And it was a community open mic that wasn't really an open mic. It was an intentional space where people came to artistically uh, open up, release, and write poems on their on on the social activity around town themselves police government everything all into a piece so you have four minutes on the mic to talk about what's happening in your life peel away layers transform yourself and we did this for three years and it was at a cafe that held 40 people um but 100 110 people would show up every single monday you know and i had speakers out in the parking lot and everything people were showing up and and expressing themselves. And in that room, we formed our first board for the organization. That was in 2003, 2004. And then we began our first program, which was um, servicing and bringing poetry and spoken word and music uh, programs to kids that were incarcerated. There weren't many at that time. Like there were a few, but there weren't many. And then once that started, we, um, we saw that, you know, there was a lot of attraction. A lot of mm-hmm. kids came to it. And then there was also the fact that, you know, this is a great program in jail, but when they're coming when they're coming out, you know, there's also that gap. Yeah. And that's when um, we began to do more of a makeshift uh, case management. And I wasn't yeah. a case manager then. I didn't have a doctor even then. You know, mm-hmm. I just like I just know I need to help these kids because I've been to nine funerals so far, right? And like, who's going to stop these deaths? Who's going to stop these kids from hitting these streets like this? 
and and losing their lives. Well, somebody's got to do it. Guess I'm going to do it. I've been in living rooms where I'm breaking up fights between kids and parents. You know, it's just like whatever we got to do to keep you out of jail is what's important right now. You know, and um, so when when you talk about like finding your meaning and finding your purpose, you know, there's they recommend that it's something that's personally meaningful to you you know something that, that really touches you personally because there's a lot of things you can do in a community but you were attracted to the kids and particularly the kids who are going into juvenile systems and going into the incarceration yeah. and then coming out what was it about that what was it about that that really drew you into that kind of field did you feel like that was the area that you could most help or was there some personal story or some kid that you knew that really kind of drew you that way? I was born on the south side of Chicago. Mm -hmm. You know, I uh, spent five years on juvenile probation. I was a teenage dad. I didn't have any mentors, you know. Um, I, I, it's something that I longed for. It's something that I know I had to begin to address, you know, um, within myself. These, These kids helped me to see those gaps in my own life and those areas in my past that are just that were just empty um um i just wanted to be closer to it i wanted to be closer to the understanding you know um myself and at the same time understanding them and supporting them it was like they're my tribe you know it's almost mean? like you created you know the solution that you would have wanted for yourself yeah which is a great way to do it right like if you think about like all right how could i serve the younger version of me you know, that's going to be something that's personally meaningful to you and something that you're going to have experience with because you can go back in your own memory bank and be like, what would have been awesome if I had back then? Well, some mentor that I could go, you know, bring my poetry or my songs to or my art to or share my stories with and then a community where I could share that with the community at large and be heard, you know, and be, and that's... I think about it all sense. the time. I think about it all the time. I'm like, God, if I had this, <laughs> right? You know, like, right. if I had this, if I had, I mean, like a lot of the kids that we work with, they get like they get irritated. They're like, you guys care too much, you know. <laughs> you know, it's like I wish I had someone like, yeah, you know, we gotta just anything you need, you know. Uh-huh. Um, you know, we lift kids all over town, man. We do. I mean, there's there's so much that we do to support them because in order for them to um, to 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 really have that 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 support right there there needs to be people right there right mm-hmm. there needs to be someone accompanying them through this journey and not people telling them what to do nobody wants to be told what to do you don't like to be told what to do i don't like no mm-hmm. one likes to be told what to do it doesn't work it doesn't work yeah. so it's like folks that are going to listen folks that are going to be there folks that are going to say okay i i care and then guide you in that direction bring up suggestions also just create sort of a smorgasbord of, of different activities and programs that you can, you know, you can get involved with. Um, and it's, it is not a one size fits all uh, sort of protocol for this. This is, this is about, you know, giving, um, giving an understanding, having an understanding, giving, um, giving them the opportunity to, to have voice yeah. in the first place to say, hey, here's what I need. You know, which is so hard for all of us to do. All right, let's take a little break. I want to talk to you again about Vincero watches. Now, when I was going to get watches again, I was skeptical. I didn't really trust that there was going to be a watch that I would like as much as any of the watches that I currently wear. But Vincero really does an excellent job. They have a great design team. The watches are subtle but beautiful. You know, they have a certain style and still some elegance to them. They're not 
over the top. They just hit the sweet spot of a really nice, sophisticated watch. So I really recommend checking them out. I mean, they're everything that you would really want from a watch. They look good. They feel good on your wrist. And that's probably one of the reasons why they have 21,000 five-star reviews and just people love these watches. So check it out. Go to vincerowatches.com slash Aubrey. So that's V-I-N-C-E-R-O watches.com slash Aubrey. And you'll get 20% off your whole order, free shipping and a two-year warranty because the watches work good. And the, all the functionality from the clasps to the bands to everything is just really top-notch. So check it out, vincerowatches.com slash Aubrey. The thing is, when you're really trying to help somebody, if they can't see themselves in you at all, right. It's going to be really hard to listen you know if somebody's just coming in like i'm here to help and they're like you don't fucking know me you've never been in a situation like this so that's not it's not that it's not possible it is and some people will adopt to that and be like well look this person's really caring and they may not understand me through personal experience but their heart's in the right place and that can work but it's a lot more powerful when it's someone like yourself who's grown up facing those similar conditions and you even had a stint in incarceration right i mean yeah when i was 16 yeah yeah. so you you've been there yeah you know and they can see that and you you're talking to them like yeah i've i've been where you are and that's so fucking powerful yeah it's it's, uh you know it's 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 pretty much you know the uh uh gives you that allowance to operate right it gives you that allowance to come in and and work with them they know that you've been there they they can see it i mean let's forget about what you've done and, and all that they know it yeah you walk in the door they know who's who's been through it they they know they can look into your eyes and say hey man you've been there mm. and you know that you you know we we have uh you see it all the time in the juvenile halls you know the different programs that come in and out you see the kids are like you know so resigned with certain programs that come in and they can't reach them like why can't i reach them well man you, you know you, you give them some time but they know that you know you're trying to change them. Yeah. And you know, you know, it's not about changing anybody, you know. It's about accepting everybody, accepting them and allowing them to express themselves, allowing them to discover what that expression for themselves is, you know. And when you give that room, only thing that's present is love. Mm-hmm. Like that's it. And love is what makes it all possible. Like without that, none of it would work. No one, no one transforms. No one even listens unless there's love present. You know, unless you're interested in hearing, in in learning, in growing. You know, and if you're not, you're just gonna walk away. You're like, oh, this ain't for me. Yeah. And so you, you yeah, people. That space. It's strange that people still underestimate love. Yeah. You know, it's like <laughs> it's the funniest thing. It's like love isn't gonna solve anything. I'm like. Really? It solves everything. <laughs> I think you might have it backwards. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, sure, there's a lot of things that need to be done too, yeah. but like, yeah. do it with love and it's just going to be so much more powerful because that's the thing that genuinely heals. Well, love's been so convoluted, right? Like, you know, the whole idea of love, you know, right. and and that's where it is. I mean, folks, they when, you, when they say love, they, they, they hear another thing. They hear relationship. They hear pain sometimes as well sure love like, hurts is love one hurt. of the one of the great lies that we've all been told yeah it's not the love that hurts it's maybe your fear of losing that love your attachment to that love your ego that's wrapped up in the validation that comes from that love all of that stuff can hurt and i get it and love may trigger that but it isn't the love that hurts no never that's your story <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah. you know unravel that story you know mm-hmm. 
know, and life is a story. You know what I mean? Like it it, it, all of it, it, it's constantly happening. And so we, if love is not the word that works for you for that energy, choose another word. You know, yeah. like or clean that word or off, clean, or you know, <laughs> take it to the car wash <laughs> right. and scrub off all that bullshit. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah, because a lot of people's got you know they got you know they got all kind of shit on it, man. They got mud, they got concrete, they've got you know they've got the whole world, they've got trees, and I mean it's just it's it's they've smashed it. I think, I think no two words have had more stuff put on it that doesn't fit than the words love and God. Yeah. You know, like two of the most foundationally important words in our entire lexicon that mean the most important things, perhaps even synonyms, you know, depending, on, depending <laughs> on how you look at it, right? right? But those words are really, they're yeah. tough to use yeah. because people have all of these stories, like you said, just stories around them. And I think one of the jobs that any philosopher has or anybody who's trying to teach or lead is just to just do your best to scrub those words off so we can start to feel them, learn them, experience them, use them in a way that makes sense. Yeah. And then when it comes to any relationship, whether it be working with the youth or whether it be in your, your family, with your kids, your own kids, or with your wife, your husband, you know, your significant, significant other, it's like there needs to be this understanding that uh it, it's different for all of us it, like you know we're walking into this with two different views of what this word means and when we say it to each other we got we have to know that it probably means something different for me for you than it does for me but mm -hmm. we're here right now we're going to make it work so it can begin to synergize somewhere in the middle we're going to find it we're going to find it together yeah you know and i think that's what love is i think that's what marriage is about too if you if you get down to the bottom of it, it's like we're not coming into this thing as perfect human beings. We're coming into this as two people who um, who really care and really we do love each other. But we're gonna find where we mesh so good, you yeah. know, if if it's intentional. I think that the ability to just have patience with your communication is something that we've really lost as well, because words can sometimes get in the way of two people who really actually agree. You know, and you know, you see that happening a lot right now. People bickering over words when really everybody wants the same thing, but some words will be stuck in the way, and then nobody has the patience to be like, okay, let me really hear what you're saying. Oh, actually, I agree with you. We were just using different words to express that. And I think that's, you know, your idea of creating these community centers seems like the solution where people can actually just go have a forum and like really hear each other and take the time to hear each other there's an organization that we supported and i can't remember it ryan you might be able to look it up but they take they took israelites and palestinians and which have been at war for i don't know how many eons ever forever and they were they were youth and they took them in and they had like a week-long camp where they got to like hang out and talk and do stuff that like teenagers like to do and it was really remarkable what happened because they would leave and they would be brothers they'd be sisters they'd be homies at the very least yeah. at the end of that because at first everybody would be like oh my gosh you know here's the muslims here's the jews and now you know we're supposed to be enemies but after a little while just like playing soccer or hanging out and talking to each other and really yeah. having these kind of facilitated conversations they're like i don't know why i hate these people they seem awesome and that was like the mutuality of that experience and then the, the, it's very similar to one of the yeah, but Seeds of Peace. Seeds of called. Peace. Yeah. I think I've heard of Seeds of Peace. Yeah. Incredible organization. Mm -hmm. um, and there's one thing that we do in, with the kids is, is our flow program. And what, it, what we do is we have discussions, meaningful discussions around various different topics that 
um, relate to, you know, where young people are at 16, 17, 18 years old, you know, and, and making decisions. And in our classes, as you can imagine, you know, are mostly young people who um, are from the streets, you know, who have, uh, they're affiliated with gangs, you know, and a lot of times they come into a room, they don't all see eye to eye, you know, because they're from rival neighborhoods, you know, and it could be a Latino gang, you know, mm-hmm. and a black gang, you know, and these they're in their room together, you know, we 15 of us. So what we do is we begin with these conversations and then these conversations turns into writing and not not writing artistically yet. Just let's just write about let's write it in response to how we're receiving this information, how we're processing it. Let's write down what you're processing. And then we take those those essays pretty much and we'll convert those into poems. So now we're starting to play with it. Yeah. And then we take those poems and we start to turn those into raps. Right. Mm -hmm. And then we start making beats in the class. And then before we even get to the mic, because there's a mic involved, you know, these folks have been rivaling, you know, forever in the streets. And then now here in the classroom together, they're now just, they're they're brothers. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And the reason why is because at the end of the day, they start to realize, man, we're the same, brother. You know, like we're exactly the same. We're, we're, our parents are struggling the same way. Uh, you know, um, I'm <laughs> failing in school the same way as you are, or yeah. I have the same hopes and ambitions. You know, I want to get to that same island you do one day. I want to, you know, I want to, you know, I want to have the same hope. You know, I want to graduate. I want to, you know, there's, and they're like, wait, we're, we're, we're really the same. And um, it makes them a little nervous too, because they know we got to go back out there one day. You know, we're brothers now, but we got to yeah. go back out there one day. And there'll be pressure from other people who haven't been through that to be like, what are you doing talking to them? Yeah. You know, and they'll have to hold their ground. But they hold their they ground, can. which is which is beautiful. Yeah. I've seen it so many times. They'll run into each other at different locations, and I'll hear stories about how it was that, you know, that, that, that one brother that they met in the class while they were locked up, who was the one who broke up the tension between the two, the two gangs. You know, he's like, no, no, that's my brother. No, don't, you know so that one little connection could have stopped a massive you know massive brawl or whatever that might have transpired it's just maybe just needs one one person who can see eye to eye yeah and and and, you know today you know there's a lot of conversation about racism right like so if we look at racism racism is really just the lowest vibration of otherness you know we just we're just we're just othering it all the way to the point to where you know i'm gonna I'm gonna hate you for your skin. That's all I can hate you for. There's nothing else. Like everything. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like it's the last thing it I can hate you for. Because it <laughs> your really actual is. body, your your birthday suit, like like yeah. your own your your temple. Like that's the only thing I can hate you for. Because it's different. It's a little couple of shades, couple of spectrums in a different direction. That's it. And that's what it is. Just it's just like I can't hate you any worse. Of just what, your skin, you know. It's just ridiculous that we. It's so absurd. It's absurd, and 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 that's and that's you know that's the problem. We just continuously other each other. Mm-hmm. Um, if that stopped, if there was a way to make that connection where we all can just see, look, you know, human to human, you know, brother to brother, uh, sister to sister, you know what I mean? Like, if we can get to this place, then. We've solved most of the world's problems at that point. That's the new earth, right? That's the new earth. That's the new earth. And I think there has to be these conversations and potentially even these different practices. Like I think you adding that practice of them 
you know, turning their turning their words, which is important. That's mm-hmm. an important part of the conversation. Oh, then turning that into poetry, and then turning that into a rap, and then actually performing that mm-hmm. piece with the microphone, like bringing people together through that. That's in its way its own artistic and creative ritual that you know they've they've kind of adopted and co-opted, and that's and that you've facilitated, and that's yeah. great. But the more we can do these, you know, in every different in every different little way. I think that's really going to do it because you see the humanity in somebody when you're in art or when you're in ceremony or when you're in, and even, even in sport, you know, or of course in the military too, as well. You know, I have some green beret friends and some, some elite performers like we don't have time for racism in the, in the, in the squads, you know, when we're on the Navy SEALs or in the green berets, like what, what I'm going to worry about what his skin color is. I'm worried about whether you can, do the job and, and yeah, I can die if he's sitting there <laughs> yeah, thinking exactly. about my skin color right? right and that's it's this interesting thing it's this kind of weird it's this weird side effect of not needing to rely on on everybody which is we really actually do right. you know like that we live in a cataclysmic planet at some point we're all gonna have to come together to fight the next cataclysm i mean the dark ages were only a few millennium ago mm-hmm. one and a half mm-hmm. the ice ages were like a little bit farther than that you know there's there's gonna be shit that's gonna happen and then we're gonna look around and at that point where we're all freezing our tits off because it's the next ice age we're right. like oh no no not you i don't like your skin right right, right, like, right, right thank god a human yeah, yeah right you know? exactly like, we better we better come together in advance of that so i think the timing of this as challenging as it might be it's you can look at it from that purview of like, wow, this is this is potentially the most beautiful thing that's happened in a long time. Also, well, it's you know, it's a it's a crack in the matrix, man. It's like a, it's a crack into, you know, I don't, you know, I we were just, you know, in the pandemic of COVID, and that was like heightened. I mean, that was like, oh man, we're in a different world. Like right when that was happening, you know, March, April, May, we were just like, you know, every, the whole world was like, we're we'll never be the same again. This world will never be the same again, and it, everyone felt it innately. And then, you know, the murder of George Floyd happened. And it was like a crack in a crack. You know what I mean? It's mm. like, and, it, and you have this opening now that is so where there's nothing but possibility in front of us. You know, mm-hmm. as long as well, there will always be folks who try to plug that hole and try to run an agenda, who will try to take advantage into um and to be opportunist around this time yeah. and try to change that in the direction they want to go but if but if the if we people which i'm not going to say if we people we people are already we're turned on we're 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 on fire there's no there i don't see anything unless it's something cataclysm, cataclysmic that stops this train from really creating a new space a new place where we begin to see you know human to human the way you know, we just talked about, you know, where we can have these conversations and be open with it. I'm seeing more on social media right now about, you know, people having these open conversations, seeing more open conversations that I've ever seen around race and around, mm-hmm. you know, black lives mattering. Like it's, it's, it's a bit of a phenomenon, you know, For um, sure. um, moving into um, the second half of this year. But. I think, and I also think people sometimes get caught up in this idea of it being perfect or your way or whatever. Like, it's not going to be perfect. You can't expect the whole world to op- like operate perfectly and people not to be opportunistic, different groups, different agendas, different motivations, different people who are entrenching their beliefs, different people who are doing different things and using the kind of egoic 
hierarchy of, well, now I'm better than you for this. There's going to be all a little bit of that, but let's look deeper and not get distracted. Mm -hmm, Like mm -hmm. stay focused. Don't get distracted by all this bullshit. Like what's really going on? And I think your story, if you want to share it about what you witnessed and felt driving through Laguna is like a great example. Like let's keep our eyes on this because this is the magic of what's happening. This is like the beautiful part of this thing. And like, yeah, all right, there's going to be some other bullshit, but Let's focus on like the great part. And I think this part is the unexpected part. Like, mm-hmm. like, like I think people knew that if there was going to be another, you know, lynching of a black man on television somewhere in the future, you know, in comparison to, you know, Mike Brown or, you know, Eric Garner, we knew that it was going to, it was going to blow up again. Like there, it was there. Like that was in the consciousness of like, there's going to be more up, uprisings for sure. Yeah. And but no one expected it to be so beautifully colorful, right? Mm. Like I think that's what's so surprising. But it was because of those eight minutes and forty six seconds, you know, that um, Derek Chauvin's knee was on George Floyd's neck. It was because it was filmed in the way that it was filmed, and you can see what happened. I think that you can't deny that as a human being. No. And, and it makes you want to cry. It makes you want to vomit. It makes you like, you can't ignore that. Okay. You watch it and it's just, your body goes through like convulsions of disgust and rage. And I think that was the, the that was the, it's tragedy. But then that's the, that's the catalyst from that tragedy was that it was captured in that way so that nobody could fucking ignore that. Nobody anymore. can ignore it. And you saw there was no, resistance you saw he was unarmed yeah you saw the whole thing you saw this was bullshit yep and triggered opened up a floodgate this 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 psychic floodgate you know what i mean where it was like okay it's time to to, to move in and begin to have these conversations bigger the, the, the streets began to flood with everybody and you know um, about a week and a half ago i was down in laguna niguel you know down in laguna beach area and I'm driving along and got my family in the car and I get to a corner and literally there was about 200 people out there for a BLM uh, protest. Signs out, you know, screaming, you know, hey, Black Lives Matter. And I'm like, I looked around and there was nothing but white faces everywhere. I didn't see one black face in the entire crowd. And I'm like, I was, I was, I, I was like, we are in a different place now. Yeah. Like this, this is not just a one-sided conversation. Like this, this is, this is folks taking charge now for their lives and taking charge for their community and taking charge for the world that they want to live in. You know, in such a way that they're going to get out there and they're going to, they're going to grab picket signs every single day. Um, and they not all be black faces, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and black folks are out there strong, yes. And but to turn and see, like, wow, this is all of us, you know. Mm-hmm. And sees the people. I've you know I've been out in downtown LA and at the protest in downtown LA. It just goes on like a like a river, just, mm-hmm. just people, 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 signs, signs, and it's just a, it's a it's a powerful. Um, expression of of where we're going and 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 how we're closing doors in the past is it are, are we there yet of course not we're not we're not there yet we're we we it may be a while until we get there but we're in if there is a thing right you know if, if there is a thing might be that constant journey towards greater and greater equality greater and greater awareness about the inequity of different situations 
seems to be that way with our, my personal life. Like yeah. every time I think I'm there, I'm like, yeah. I am there. <laughs> Shit, I'm not there. <laughs> not there. Look around like, uh, like not, not quite, but not, we're, we're close, right? Yeah. We're close. But progress is undeniable. Pro- yeah, we're in the room. You know, we're in the room right now. And that's what's important is that we're in the room. We're having these conversations. And we may not always agree. And it's very likely we won't agree. But we're having the conversation. You know, it, we're, we're, we're talking about it. It's dialogue. You know, dialogue is what leads to resolution. You can't, you, there's no resolution if there's silence. So unless we're talking, even though we're not agreeing, we're not, you know, we're not going to get anywhere unless we're talking. Yeah. So we're having these conversations now on a big scale to where, you know, there's national and television and there's the mayor of, of Los Angeles, you know, who's, you know, defunding about $150 million from the police department right now. Uh, to put into community programs and community service programs and in different areas that have been completely deserts of uh, of care in the past and like that's like that's a great start. So there's something really cool going on with Onnit and PlayStation 4. Right now, many of us have Playstations and if you go there, you're going to be able to get the Onnit 6 programming, which is our premier education platform for fitness available on your ps4 which is awesome because you can just perform any of these exercises right there in your living room you have the on at six body weight of course which is going to be the easiest and most accessible of these programs because it has all of the movements that are really the foundation for supporting a really functional strong fit body This is designed by John Wolf, our chief fitness officer, who is one of the leading experts in the world on unconventional fitness and has just all of the movements that you probably aren't doing. I mean, this isn't just a push-up and jumping jack routine. I promise you that. It's got all of the best strategies, the warm-ups, the cool-downs, the durability, the functional movements, all of that is there, and it'll set you up in the foundations for everything else, the kettlebells, the maces, all of our unconventional equipment. So check it out on your PlayStation 4, or if you want to get the Onnit 6 program on your computer or your phone, go to onnit.com slash Aubrey, and as always, you will get 10% off your Onnit 6 bodyweight program. Thanks, everybody. Enjoy the rest of the show. Explain what defunding really, really means, because I think there's the radical side of defunding, which is abolition of the police, which sounds like probably a bad idea. But defunding is really, it's kind of a weird word to use because it's really not defunding, it's refunding some of the reallocation. Reallocation. Yeah, some of that money to some programs that actually, if they go as they should go, will actually incite less need for police and less need for police to actually operate in the same way that they did. So it's still solving the same problem. You put that into the into that kind of root cause, you know, which is better food, better communities, better different things, you're gonna have far less crime to actually deal with. Right. So it's just it's reallocating in a way that's actually really sensible if you don't take the fully extreme position. I think there's three conversations. So there's the conversation of uh, you know, let's give more to the police, right? Let's 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 give more because we they need more training, they need more they need more funds to do more to be better for for better reform. There's that conversation that's being talked about out there. There is defunding, meaning reallocation and reallocating to you know to different programs. You know, uh, 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 bringing in better healthcare, better uh, uh, youth development. You know, better. Uh, all around just the better services in our community where you know we can you know develop and even invent some new public safety mm-hmm. uh, ideas and then there is the the abolition right because there there is that whole other side it's like 
this thing was not even created for people of color in the first place. Like mm -hmm. you go back to the roots of the police department, of the sheriff's department, you'll see it's going to be steeped in, you know, the slave slave capture, right? Like that it goes back that far. So folks are like, let's just get let's just rebuild that whole entire structure all together, you know, and meaning let's not get rid of policing. We can we can still have policing, but the structure that can, that exists today has a, has is just it's the fabric of it itself is steeped in in slavery. And so it's so, almost like it's it's so bad to just get the argument right. It's just so bad in in its own innate nature that the only real way there's really no reform. It has to be scrapped to be actually right. brought forth in a new way, and that's kind of the idea that you're yeah. That so, you're so 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 the, so abolition is. Let's not necessarily get rid of policing. Let's get rid of the existing police department, right? Like the, mm -hmm. or the or you know the that structure of what it looks like in every single city of how it's run. You know, when Rayshard Brooks is in the parking lot, you know, in a drive-through, you know, asleep in his car, you know, why is there a armed policeman knocking on the window? He's he's, he's asleep. Like that could have that that could have been a job. For anyone else, anyone else, if there's a different structure, there was, you know, maybe it's, you know, uh, you know, somewhere in the social work department where someone shows up and knocks on a window, you know, and then the whole thing that happened, it, it escalated and then ended up him being shot and killed, you know, 20 minutes later, right? Like, like all those steps, you know, um, there more than likely should have even been a citizen there. You know, what we're mm -hmm. trying to develop here in LA right now is that when when young people, when not just young people, but when folks get pulled over or when there's there's altercations that are that are nonviolent and where folks are unarmed that citizens show up to be just there just witnesses social workers show up you know when there's you know some relationship or domestic problems there's there's us concerned citizens that are also in the mix to ensure and to also be witness to what happens like those are things that are going to develop faster or sooner mm -hmm. than later but the abolition idea itself is just let's Let's rethink this whole structure. Mm -hmm. Let's just rethink it. it, and let's get back to peace officers, right? Because that's what's absent for a lot of people. Yeah, and some people have never, never seen an officer as a peace officer ever. You know, I remember growing up, and I remember just driving down the street and just fearing the police. I mean, there's times I still fear the police now, but when I was a kid, you know, I got my boys in the car, we're driving. What's the first thing that you do when you see a cop? You take off your hat. You sit up straight. You put on your seatbelt. You act white. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like that's that that's that was the mentality. Like mm -hmm. just sit up straight. You know what is that? You know like what what is what is that that we have to stop being ourselves in order to disguise and put on this sort of you know different aura to be able to survive the next moment. Right. It's a symptom of a, a corrupt system, a system that's in need of change. And I think these, you know, having these conversations are essential. And I think this is, you know, my prayer is, again, that people just have the patience to have these conversations Absolutely. because you'll get lost in like an initial blush reaction. And even the, even the intricacies of what abolition actually meant, no one's sat down to really explain that to me that you know it's just like you say it and then all of a sudden polarization boom polarization 
And then there's also people who will say like, oh, well, you can't talk about this. You know, if, if I wanted to talk about it, well, you don't have a right to talk about this. Well, well, how am I going to have any part of this? I'm part of this community too. Yeah. You know, like police are, police are the ones that pulled me out of the wreckage of my car when I yeah. crashed it. You know, they were the ones, if they weren't out there on the streets, I don't know if I'd be here living. So they don't do only bad things. Right. You know, so we need some people, some, you know, different some form, some form, yeah. something has so to come and replace absolutely. it. So let's talk about what these other solutions could be and let's get everybody on board with it. You know, and I, like I said, I don't think anyone's thinking to just erase public safety, right? Like, I, or, or, or policing in a sense, right? I think when people say abolition or even defund, none of that includes just, just folks just you know anarchy everywhere right where where no one arrives there's no first responders that show up when things happen right mm -hmm. like so I, I i believe it's just the structure that folks know it now in the communities that communities that they're in it doesn't work it's 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 a surveillance system um it's an over policing system for a lot of people it's also an it's also a, just a gateway into incarceration it's not seen as a positive union. You call the police, they don't show up for 15, 20, 30 minutes. Sometimes, even if they show up at all. So it, it, it is a different reality. They're for, not serving, they're not protecting. Right. You know, they're punishing and incarcerating, which is also speaks to the flaws of our whole justice system, which is, I know, something else that you're passionate about. Yeah. It's like, it's not only this one thing, this is one arm of a very broken fucking system exactly it's all part it's all part of the same you know healthcare goes in it all just sort of collapses into uh this area of law enforcement of of just uh justice altogether mm -hmm. that needs to be rethought and reimagined so all right i'm going to give you the opportunity to imagine you are a genie Okay. You got all the powers. You got all the powers. And Will Smith has freed you. All right. And you have your own wishes. You don't need to work for anybody. You're your own genie. Okay. Empowered to do whatever. What are some of the changes that you would like to see? I mean, obviously, you have limited purview and you'd have councils and you'd have different voices. And you're, you're so good about reaching out to the communities and listening and hearing and all the communities. I mean, I would appoint you to to be this. This is why I'm asking. Mm -hmm. Like, if I could say, like, who do I want to be the the free genie of the world? I'd be like, all right, Harry, mm -hmm. I'm in. Like, I'll cast my vote. Um, but what is what are some of the things that you would like to see? Yeah, you know, I think just taking steps. The first thing I like to see is I like to see that there is a place and a space for people to feel like they're heard and where they can express and they can share their concerns where it's where those concerns are collected and and then and then and then discussed with the community not outside the community but it's all done together first of all because we got to know the need the first thing to know is to know what's the core need and and when you get down to the bottom of it it's more than, more than anything it's economics right we need to know where are we missing it with the with 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 economics but in, yeah. in in poverty because poverty is real you know and, and on maslow's hierarchy of need you know survival is at the bottom rung if people can't get past just where am i going to have my next meal then they can't get to the next place of like oh well let me think about school let me think about you know in advancing in my career or let alone let me think about how i'm going to spiritually you know really get tuned in with myself and really find you know what i really want to do with my life so you gotta like Food is key. Food, shelter, clothing, uh, 
community those are those are those are those are key so you know um i don't know what it, i don't it, i don't i don't know what the number is but i believe the number was somewhere around 1.2 billion dollars to get most of the folks who are um who are homeless here in LA you know at least a proper place to sleep at night it's something like that a statistic that i heard a couple years ago um, and not that everybody wants to get off the street either. Like that's a whole other conversation. People want to get the homeless off the street. Not everybody that's homeless wants to be off the street. A lot of people chose that because they were like, I'm jumping ship from this, from this rat race, from this matrix that has me really just, you know, uh-huh. tied up. Um, so the first thing I would do would, would be to create, you know, a, a space, a forum for, for voices to really be heard. And, and communicate it just real quick i mean 1.2 billion might sound like a lot pre-covid but we just made a couple trillion dollars appear out of nowhere right you talk about some genie Tell shit you, like yeah. alec alakazam abracadabra two trillion dollars here you go like what you had two trillion dollars you know how much it would cost to feed the world like 250 billion that's you had two trillion just chilling like that's fucked up and, and, and where and where does that go? I mean, back into somebody else's pockets that's going to go ahead and drain the economy even more. Yeah. Right. That's where we're at. Two, two trillion dollars out of nowhere, like just showed Oof. up. I didn't. I, I didn't know we even had two trillion to like like give out. Well, really? <laughs> like, 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 that's what I'm saying. Like, like where the hell did really? two trillion dollars? You had come two from? trillion dollars just available. I had no idea. You know, everybody's talking about all these different things. Like, yeah. there's resources. There's far more resources than, and I think that's the thing that we need to remember in this new this new earth that we're all trying to build like there's way more resources than we imagine we just have to that clicked enough fear knobs for people that and people were afraid who had the power that they were like okay yeah we'll just make two trillion Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. okay Mm -hmm. all right well this is now the reality that you've shown us is a reality that this is possible so So we're gonna be knocking we're gonna gonna (laughs) be knocking that door for sure if we can do that we're gonna be doing this right yeah exactly you know, and so I think, you know, another going back into just making sure everybody's taken care of um, as far as farms to tables. And I don't mean farm to a restaurant table. I mean, farm to table homes, you know, where people are getting fresh food. You know, how can we connect? We see what's going on in our agriculture right now and in farms and farms are, you know, they can't supply um provide for restaurants because restaurants are closing. There's a big dilemma right now between farming and how we've distributed food in the past. Um, but w- what if we had better ways to get food to people, just get them to people? There's so much surplus at the end of the day that these farms have. How can we just make sure that these food deserts that we have in our major cities and, and all around the country, for that matter, how, how can we make sure that that food still gets to people? you know um every single well, year when you were when you were talking about one of the programs that you have where you're taking kids and, and bringing them out to the farms yeah. and like letting them pick pick the food and then bringing them to these you know basically little farmers markets that you're setting up in the community that's providing food that model is so fucking powerful mm-hmm. you know for so many different reasons for one because this gives people a real sense of purpose that same driving fueling purpose that's allowed you to be the man that you are now they're going to get a little taste of that because they're going to know that every time they pick something it's meaningful because it's going to fill somebody else's belly that's right you know? it's that full service it's that full circle service right it's that holistic service you know from the root to someone's table right and mm-hmm. and, and, and and how that uh feels you know and, and how that fulfills you 
of, of doing such a powerful seva, such a powerful service in that way. You know, um, um, you know, I was watching a couple of the young people today while we had our pop-up market in Culver City today, you know, walking uh, groceries out. And these are free groceries that we give to the community every single week, you know, and, and there's there's an abundance. Like, it's not like, oh, just pick. We've got a lot, right? Mm-hmm. We, we, we load up the shop, man, and people come in, they're just, they're walking out with two, three, four bags of just free groceries, you know, fresh produce, organic produce, you know, and um, and one of the young men, he's walking out and I just, I see him, he's got two bags on each side and he's so happy. Yeah. And, 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 and you know why he's happy is because half of those groceries were groceries that he harvested, you know, and, 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 and that's what's powerful, you know, and this is a young man who just six months ago was sitting incarcerated, you know what I mean? Not knowing what he's going to do with his life, life next. Now, you know, he's out there and he's helping the community. And when I'm looking at this glow that's occurring in this, there's something there. And I, and, and I want to just go back to that. There's something there. When you when these moments where they're so inspired and you see life come into someone who had no hope before and you just see it, it's just there. You're like, all right, how do we make sure that that continues to flow into that person? And how can we teach them how to charge that for themselves? Like, how can we just, you know what I mean? And that's what it's all about. And that's what the community needs more than anything right now. Mm-hmm. They need people that are going to show them. You know, there's people walking around that are in their bubbles. They're just like, I don't, you know, I, I, I didn't know all this was, you know, ha- you know, I didn't know the problem. They were in their bubbles. You know why? Because their cup flowed over so much that it overflowed and it created a bubble. Now, when your cup overflows that much, it is your duty as a human being to look around you and say, who can I help? Who can I give to? Who can I serve? Who can I give a piece of my of my privilege to in, in some form or fashion? And if we all thought about that, you know, and did that, that'd be incredible. It's just those little tiny things that change these people's lives. I remember a moment when I played football for co- I played college football, and when I there was a time where I didn't eat, man, for like a week. I didn't have any money. I was on a partial scholarship. My parents they thought I should figure it out, you know, and. Uh, I was on the sidelines and, and the coach walked over to me and he's like, he's looking at me and I'm I'm crying. I've got tears running from my face and I'm on the sidelines and they're playing plays and everything's happening. And he walks over, he says, what's up, Harry? What's going on? I say, I say, coach, man, I'm hungry. He said, yeah, I'm hungry too. We're going to kick some ass this Saturday, man. I'm hungry <laughs> too. Let's get out there. And get... I said, no, coach. Man, I'm hungry. Like, I haven't eaten all week. I'm hungry. He's like, wait. You haven't eaten all week. Why not? So I'm just, I've been out of money, you know. Um, he says, well, I'll take you to dinner after practice. So after practice, we get in his car. It takes me to one of the finest establishments out there, Burger King, you know. <laughs> and I'm sitting there and I'm eating my Whopper. And I'm, 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 I'm chomping his Whopper. And I'm like eating like a pig, like a monster. And he looks over to me and he says, Harry, slow down. Hold, slow down. He says, I understand where you're at. I've been there before. He said, I'm going to tell you something that you probably won't believe. This does not last forever. That's all he said to me. Because when you're that age and you're in that spot, you think it's all coming down. You you can't see past tomorrow. You just think that my life is hell. It's shit. It's going. And when he looked at me in my eyes and he said, this will not last forever. It was this 
really? This isn't gonna last forever. Wow. Hmm. Like this, the whole room opened up for me, and I was 18 years old. Hope. Hope. Yeah. And it's all that people need. So, you know, in the creation and in the thought of what would I develop, it'd be hope machines everywhere, man. Yeah. Because hope is essential for meaning. Like yeah. you have to to have meaning. You have to have something that's personally personally meaningful to you but that you also believe that you can affect change. Yeah. That's why being of service to others is so helpful. Sometimes it feels like there's nothing we can do for ourselves, but it'd be, you'd be hard-pressed to say that there's nothing you can do to help somebody else. That's right. You know, so, and that's going to fulfill you so much more than any of these other things you think are going to fulfill you, like that new pair of clothes or those new shoes. Absolutely. Like, you got two minutes of enjoyment out of that shit. You you, with hope you can see 20 new pair of shoes you know what exactly. i mean it's like that one <laughs> exactly. you know like hope you're like oh man wow i can do this i can do this. You're, you're energized by that you know our our like this country is so individualistic you know it's all about you 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 go you gotta make it you can't you gotta you pull yourself up by the bootstraps well some people don't even have bootstraps you know what i mean they don't even have boots they only have boots martin luther king said that they only have boots and it's like how how do we expect folks who have never had boots to what make the boot you know we have to look at how do we serve each other in in, in this process and get out of the individualistic oh you got to do it yourself or you got to pull yourself up or no handouts you know there i hear this all the time but some folks just don't have the tools yet when they get those tools it's a whole other story those people usually have fire burning inside of them. And when that tool comes, they're taking off and they're amazing and they're bright and they're shining everywhere and everybody's receiving their rays, you know? But, but they need those tools to do it. And when they finally get those tools, but for folks like you and I and others, everyone has to give hope and has to give a piece of, our, of what we've gotten on our path and our journey, you know, in, in the... Uh, in the the walk down no the path, you know? That idea, it's so much harder to get from zero to one yeah. than from, you know, one to two and then from two to four. And then it's just, you know, so much, so much easier once you have like a little bit of momentum. But again, there's these dangerous and, and insidious stories, the stories of the welfare state. So if you give someone something, then they don't care about it. Like, okay, there may be some people where that's the mm -hmm. case. They're just happy to be on the dole and they're happy to do But for every one of those, there's a bunch of people who just need the boots, yeah. just need the boots and then they'll make the straps and then they'll that's start right. pulling and then they'll start going. And, you know, for me, like I recognize I didn't start at zero. I didn't even start at one. I probably started at 10. You know, I had every, from four amazing mentors from my parents. My parents split when I was two. So I had mm -hmm. dad, stepdad mom stepmom all awesome all like teaching me different things opportunities everywhere so i felt that pressure for myself that's my privilege so i felt the pressure like man i better do something fucking great because <laughs> i'm not starting at zero like it's not okay for that's me right. to just be yeah, okay yeah, yeah, like yeah. i started at 10 like i gotta get to a thousand you know or whatever whatever this thing i'm not uh, there's no numbers to it but I got to do something really, really special because I've been gifted and privileged in yeah. so many fucking ways, you know? So it's like, those are the ideas where you just say, all right, yeah, sure. All right, this is my privilege. What am I going to do with it? Yeah. Like, what am I going to do with it? How am I going to funnel this into something? How can I help other people who have less? And, who, you know, that's, these are the things that I think people need to, need to see instead of people throwing that, like, 
like a tomato at somebody ah privilege yeah well have you sat down and had a conversation about how they feel and like whether they feel like they're doing enough or whether they even know what to do or mm -hmm. what's blocking them or how they don't feel enough love for people mm -hmm. or maybe there's some lost in somewhere of otherness maybe not quite racism mm -hmm. but still in this otherness paradigm that's keeping them from well, caring a lot of times it's, it's the it's the american way it's, i'm an individual i worked for mine you know like i'm i i you know the, and that and that is how this how this country shaped everyone when I mean, we were you know the, the 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 wild wild west you know the great frontier these were about folks going out and 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 getting what they need and making a living and and having enough for their families and it wasn't necessarily communal like it was in in you know in Europe right where folks were sharing a lot more this was about coming and, and establishing and so here in this country we get into that place where everyone's trying to own that house you know get that car have their their piece of the real estate have their piece of uh the american pie and in that process of owning and in and possessing the american pie there's a sense of pride that rises up and this is this is hard work and this is you know and 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 to a point where no they're not they're not racist or they're not you know they they're just at a place of like i'm good i'm good i'm i'm here i'm good someone else can help those those people you know and that, that that's kind of what some of the mentality mm -hmm. they they're going to pull themselves up or they don't too bad they need to get on track they need to you know get on the road and and begin to make some things happen for themselves like i did when i was you know such and such age right like people begin to think that way and blaming people for why they're not where they are right and saying if you would have done it what i would have done at that age then you would have you'd be up here where I am right now. There's a lot of that going on. There's there's these conversations, and so the conversation hopefully needs to shift just a little bit to a conversation where we begin to look around and say, you know what? Maybe everyone didn't have the same tools. You know, maybe everyone didn't have the same footing. You know, maybe everyone you know uh, didn't have the same. Um, opportunities when you when buying a house because of redlining, which still exists, in, but not in a legal form, right? Like, but people being denied for you know uh, real estate or buying a home because of the color of your skin still occurs today. You know, it's not something that's gone away. You know, the young girl uh, at our office yesterday said that you know we so she she um, she was offered a job at a restaurant yesterday with a friend of ours, and she's she was so happy about it. She's like. Wow, I finally got a job. It's the first time someone didn't turn me down because of my name. You know, she had a very ethnic name. So there was and so she was she was being turned down for a job because, you know, her name was 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 you know, it was an ethnic name. And that's one of those freakonomics out there, right? So it's kind of like at that point, you know, it's it's like you know, what do we do? You know, we begin to just have these conversations that yeah. are really important. It's <clears throat> I think people understanding that the same amount of work you take two individuals someone starting at zero someone starting at two four six eight ten whatever your starting point is like the same amount of effort will yield dramatically different results it's i think called the pareto principle mm. in economics whereas once you have a certain amount of momentum it's so much easier to accumulate mm -hmm. more and more momentum so if effort and work ethic is like a a fixed amount let's say that's at a hundred for for two different individuals but someone starting at two versus someone starting at zero the person starting at two is going to be exponentially farther ahead than the person starting at zero with work effort 
work ethic being 100 in right. both cases yeah like that's just fucking no, reality yeah just reality that's, that's just, just reality so like that's physics it's, yeah that's science. but instead, instead we have this myth like well if they would have worked as hard as i did okay well they would have you know probably and there's also random effects sometimes people it's like a game of shoots and ladders right sometimes you get the the shoot and you go down a few notches and shit just gets fucking right you get whatever you spun around for, you a, little spun around for a little while sometimes you get a ladder someone yeah. finds you and you know pulls you up or you get an opportunity that there's some luck involved in this so it's not actually like you have to look at this in the aggregate but people just really recognizing like the same amount of work is not going to produce the same result and that's right. just a total fucking myth Right. and like that's the foundation of privilege to just understand that i can work the same amount as somebody else but because of my starting position i'm going to get exponentially farther so what does that mean that means i better do some shit to give back that's right if i really love the people in the same way and all these other things are just justifications for not doing something yeah that's right and in the process teaching people how to fish right like teaching people of course how to that gives a meaning too it gives a meaning in 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 teaching them how to fish teaching them how to you know pick up books like i me it was it was writing and it was reading like like when i mean writing it was poetry like that that my poems became my own bible like i was discovering so much about myself Mm -hmm. that i i would go back and read them just to tell myself about some things that will that will happen in the future like oh this happened i'm tracking now i'm tracking what happens in my life around this time of year or with this relationship and this is what goes on. I'm able to use this, but, but writing was a big one for me. And then just just picking up amazing books and how much yeah. just began to just drop in and begin to make sense for me. Like these weren't things that I did when I was a kid, but 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 teaching folks how to to get to this place where they can begin to uh, to know where to where to go to get those resources, where they can go to to find the right books and the, and to and to and to learn in that way, um, I think would be important in the future. So, all right. So we're still building this. We're still building this society. Okay. You know. And yeah. so what we got now is we have people having conversations, and that's an essential part. You know, something that we established communities that are holding conversations. And it seems to me just like Seeds of Peace is doing, we got to get conversations in a bunch of different communities where different communities are reaching and talking to other communities as well. So, you know people can have those stories those visceral stories like if you sat down and you were in a community center and you had those tears in your eyes you showed your coach mm-hmm. you know in another center and they're like wow there's people who really can't afford burger king mm-hmm. it would blow some people's minds and they'd be like fuck well we got to do something mm-hmm. you know and just that one thing just having that conversation just sitting down and like having that conversation might change perspectives dramatically so we got that we got serving people food we got the ability to you know give people access to pulling food out of the ground you know being of service having meaning teaching them to fish sounds like we need books available i mean books available all the classics just those are free yeah those are free from now and whatever pay all of the rights to whoever owns whatever those things that may still be lingering like we'll cover that now these Mm -hmm. books are free Mm -hmm. audible is free yeah exactly exactly <laughs> right. like you want to you want to read you want to learn yeah. that shit's free now yeah. <laughs> right. like here we go you know and, and so there's like the all these things and, and an idea that i had earlier is instead of planting just completely aesthetically pleasing plants and bushes and trees how about instead of all the palm trees we plant avocado oh, trees. that'd be amazing just avocados, avocados trees everywhere like lined up everywhere yeah. just yeah. walk down the street 
you know, imagine pick one if up. you had that when you were when you were oh, playing ball. Man, you just knew that you like you knew out. you were gonna eat no matter what <laughs> you that knew night. You were gonna eat. You know, whatever. I'm gonna make a salad if anything. I have a yeah. salad tonight, right? Uh-huh. Like you know, and that had been incredible to, to to line the streets with that. Yeah. Why can't we do that? I mean, we were lining the streets with you know these you know sort of fake trees all day anyway. So why not have trees where people are nourished uh, yeah. up and down the street, aligned on the street? That would be incredible. So we got all right. So we got some good. We got some good like foundational starting yeah. points. Yeah. And then, how do you handle things like criminal justice yeah. in in its totality? Well, I think um, we just have to shift the narrative. Like it's all wrapped up in narrative. We got to shift the understanding of who the people are that we're we're locking up. You know, um, we we tend to think that you know if someone's incarcerated, you know, and they're you know, a criminal and a criminal has its, that, that label in itself is so heavy. It's so loaded, so misunderstood. So we need to begin to rip or rip. Yeah. But also just shed away this label from people who, um, get incarcerated or who are caught up in the, the, the criminal justice system. You know, the young people that I work with, you know, some of the most gentle, lighthearted human beings I've ever met. And a lot of times they're locked up, and folks don't know. A lot of times, young kids are locked up for not even doing real crimes, right? So sometimes they're locked up for violating their probation terms, you know. And that could be anything from you know being out after curfew. Uh, that could be uh, also just you know missing your probation appointments. That could be not going to school. I mean, there's various different reasons why someone breaks their probation terms. Didn't you? You had a stat in your TED talk that 70% of the kids that are in there are in there for technical violations yeah. from some kind of probation violation. Right. So the, crazy. That's crazy. So from from technical violations, and that's not just here in Los Angeles. That's across the country. What you're finding these things are quickly changing because there's a lot of loud people out there right now making things change. You know, Los Angeles was and still is. The largest incarcerator of children in the world, in the entire world, and and even though it's it's decreased greatly over the last ten years because there's been a lot of us out there really loud about it, closing the youth detention facilities, uh, lessening who goes in, and and really being sticklers on you know these probation violations uh, thing. It's still there's still you know it's still the largest incarcerator. There's still the more kids in this system here in LA than there is anywhere else in the country, anywhere else in the world. Wow, but 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 those reasons are you know when kids get locked up it's because you violated your your probation terms you know it, it, it happens and it's happened for you know millennia Los Angeles is the oldest probation department in the world in 1903 it was founded and and that and from that point on it was all about hey we're going to put in some discipline and punishment you know they're going to make kids turn their lives around and over the last 30 years you know that's it it, it reached its height you know, and the biggest budget, you know, to lock up a, a young person in L.A. Uh, costs taxpayers $400,000, you know. And and like I said, for technical violations, right? So we're looking at, you know, young people are going in. We're getting our pockets drained for these, for, for what's not even a crime. People don't really understand who these kids really are and, and what, what what's possible. They're not criminals. They're in a system that's that's there to to sort of catalyze on mm. them in a lot of ways. And what's dangerous too beyond that is you label someone a criminal unjustly. It's called the Pygmalion effect. You're actually projecting something onto them that they don't deserve. And that's going to create oftentimes the reaction of like, 
oh yeah you think i'm a criminal i'll show you a fucking yeah, criminal right. you know yeah. like is that what is that's what everybody thinks i am like i'll be that you know and you end up actually creating the thing that you're trying to yeah they go out and act that out yeah you know, they're they, like well i'm already being locked up for this know? bullshit right you know and you gave an example in your ted talk of a kid whose mother died 19 year old kid mm-hmm. whose mother died and he was smoking cannabis yep. you know which was in the unapproved you know inebriants yep. that we've had unfortunately that's changing now but and he was locked up again to, he took you know, a piss test you yeah know? took a piss and, test dealing yeah, with the grief of his mother dying smoking a, some cannabis in and violation then, of probation he's back go. in and he's back in and that becomes a cycle and then they're they're there and and it just continues on and on and on we got to break that you know michelle alexander in her book the new jim crow says that there's more black men incarcerated right now than there were enslaved in 1850. like so we have to like we have to break away break the wheel we have to break that wheel mm-hmm. and have to get back on track that's the first thing and yeah. it's not just law enforcement you know law enforcement's like sort of the the uh the end of the of the of the pole there like there this goes all the way back up to the judges i mean it, it goes back up all the way into you know just our laws in general federal laws but, yeah, but every but, way but, from the from the written word on down to the people executing it exactly. at every different level to the people who are profiting and profiteering from these fucking unjust and ridiculous and unproductive laws as well Absolutely. the prison industrial complex i mean that 400 grand yep. there's a lot of profit there's That's a it. lot of profit stacked into that you know i um i did a big talk in santa barbara a couple of years ago and after the talk i was standing in the courtyard and i'd given the stat of the you know back then it wasn't quite four hundred thousand. back then it was only two hundred thousand. and i said and he said and uh and there was this gentleman who was standing at the other end of the crowd and he's just waiting for everybody to clear out so he can have a conversation with me and then he walks over to me after everyone walked away and he says hey pretty good up there you know you, you know your stats pretty pretty well um do you know why it cost two hundred thousand dollars to incarcerate a young person for a year I said, no, inform me. He said, well, I'm a former probation officer, a, a former probation dep- de- deputy director of the probation department. He says, you know, th- 30 years ago, 1985, you know, there was the war on drugs. During that time, LA County, LAPD, probation department, they all bolstered up and they became huge. That's when they, that's when they, I don't know how many, they hired thousands and thousands of more staff during that time. And they were just hitting the streets locking up you know anybody that had drugs on them smelled like drugs it doesn't matter you know what i mean you're getting locked up and that went on for a long time well within the last 10 years like i mentioned earlier you know we're starting to get that decrease happening you know where we're there's a lot of activists out there that are Mm -hmm. making sure that we change these laws and that folks aren't recidivating recidivating because of these violations and so he says well there's that 30 year stint right there of, you know, and now it's backing up. But at the same time, the, the prices, the, 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 the price for the price, the, the cost for incarcerating folks are going up. It's still fewer people there. Um, they're not firing, you know, uh, you know, people. We're not, we're not lessening mm-hmm. the force. And they say, well, the reason why is because what happens to a person after 30 years on the job? Yes, I said, well, what happens to a person after 30 years on job? He said, they retire. So even though the population is going down, even though these things are happening, the, the, we're, this is, we still, they still have to lock folks up because they have to pay for these pensions of these, of these folks that are leaving the force. 
And I said, wow. So because it's it's just a machine yeah. that needs to be fed. And the machine will always propagate. They'll find some justification, some excuse to just propagate and feed itself because exactly. it wants to survive. Everybody wants their job. So they'll look the other way. I mean, I think it's the same with the you know pharmaceutical industrial complex right yeah. like it's just ah right, well we'll put this thing out well we need a job and we're going to work here and we need this like everybody will just they're so ready to just turn the eye and be like well i mean i gotta eat you know i gotta i gotta handle my shit so exactly so whatever but that's the fucking problem is because these things have momentum and it sounds like they need to be radically more fluid well oh. I, well like one of the visions i have is that you know we just move it into something else you know like you take the probation department for example it's a one billion dollar budget here in los angeles um you know 70 uh, percent of who they supervise are youth and our kids you know and, and kids are um uh, there's fewer kids in there today but you have this department that really doesn't serve a great purpose whatsoever it's there it, it eats up a lot of our taxpayer dollars you know um you know they they're being pulled out of the schools and so schools are complaining saying hey you know we need our probation officers back because it, it, it you know there was a you know there was a you know a person of, of of fear you know on campus basically and then that, mm-hmm. that helped they felt helped the environment but they're not needed there you don't need cops on campuses no matter what what if we would and reimagine a new department mm-hmm. you know a department of mentorship you know mm-hmm. a, you know a, a, where we move we 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 begin to close out and and defund probation and we begin to refund it with with mentors we take a lot of most of the probation officers i know um on the line in in juvenile hall or on the streets on the line are are folks that really do care i know a lot of them they really do care they show up at our center to to visit kids and they're 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 there. They care. The kids tell me that they care, you know. But but the but the machine itself is not one that does. Yeah. So if we would d- develop a new department of mentorship, retrain folks, get folks in there, and then we can have more. There there'd be much more close care happening with a mentor rather than your probation officer who carries a gun and a badge, right? You you'd be more willing to have a conversation and sit down like, hey, you know, I'm I'm having these struggles you know, in my life, or I need help getting, you know, these, these documents for, you know, legalization, or I need, you know, these particular, um, um, I need, I need to get my driver's license or something. Or folks that just were there as, you know, accompanying them through their journey yeah. more often because probation is supposed to be something like that, but it, it doesn't show up like that for most of the people. No. You know, this is uh, obviously this is blossoming into such a wide conversation. I want to continue having it. We might have to save some of it for part two. But it, but it really seems um, it really seems like there just needs to be a lot more fluidity. All of these structures that seem firm and rigid because of funding and everybody vying for their own funding and everybody warping stories around it. Like the police force should be able to fluctuate up and down whatever policing force this evolves into becoming should be able to fluctuate up and down depending on the amount of crime that's actually there not trying to create more crime with quotas and different situations and different harassments to fund the cities with more money because the cities are starving for money and they can't you know support their education unless they incarcerate people because they get paid through the courts or give speeding like the whole thing is kind of fucked yeah you know where it's like it's everybody's just trying to feed more money into the situation where things should be able to flow 
and the goal should be that we need way less cops because there's way less crime. Yeah. There's just way less. And there's that's great. But there's so many structures that would have to have some fluidity and have some ability to kind of bend and have some support so that it can, if the probation offices need to go away and if these police precincts needed to go away because there wasn't enough crime they wouldn't fight to create more and be like okay great we did our job perfect we need less of us fantastic the society it's just having this global perspective of like wow the society is healthy right now and then the society could support those other things to continue supporting a healthy society yeah it's just not the way it is now well and, and and these should be the conversations right like like there should be there should be a conversation i think we've started these conversations but there should be a conversation how are we reimagining this there's a millions of people that say it doesn't work and they're americans they live on this soil they say it does not work for them in their neighborhoods you know and if they're hurt by it and they're you know and, and they're afflicted by what's happening in their communities how do we reimagine it how do we have this conversation how do we bring it into where you know you know the policing system and the folks that police those those neighborhoods are folks that are from those neighborhoods that know those neighborhoods go to the church in those neighborhoods went to school in those neighborhoods know those people i guarantee you the person that shot rayshard brooks probably did not go to that didn't even know the neighborhood it wasn't from that neighborhood mm-hmm. you know and shows up and it's just like you don't know you don't know ray you don't know ray ray you know what i mean like yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that's just ray ray you yeah. know like he gets sleepy he, after he lunch gets, he's, he's, like, that's what he's in wendy's man he's trying <laughs> yeah. to soak up the liquor man come on you know yeah. and and you know and now, and now, and now, you know, if he would have known that, you know, there would have been a different situation. It would have been, hey, let me give you a ride. Let me, you know, walk you home or whatever. You know, we, we've been th- sitting here for, for th- you know, 30 minutes. I don't need a breathalyzer test. I see you're drunk, bro. You know, like, let me just, you know, let's hop in the car. You know, like there yeah. could have been a different conversation. Yeah. And I think that's what folks want. You know, I think that's what folks want. I think at the end of the day, it's it's not necessarily, you know, public safety and, you know, this you know, someone there to be a peace officer, that's a problem. The problem is just the, uh, just what comes with it, you know, just what's historically, what has been in those neighborhoods with badge and a gun um, that folks need to to change that up because it hasn't been pleasant for for, for many, many, many people, you yeah. know, and, yeah, no uh, and it, it, there's just a desire to move it in a different direction. A need. Yeah, a need. need you know it it must yeah it must what would you say as as we close this out i know you know there's a lot of people who are we've been talking about the importance of conversations there's a lot of people who feel afraid to have any conversation right now because things are so it's so volatile you know you put out an idea or a thought and no matter which no matter what it is i mean you could literally put out a heart and say love and someone would be like fuck you you know like we don't need we don't need love right now and you're like shit all right no love like okay like uh, you know there's it's just it's a difficult time to have a conversation so what would be your advice and this goes for every different every different belief every different race every different side that you may be on what would be your advice for you know facilitating conversation and also if you have any advice for people to have the courage to keep speaking yeah. So, I mean, the advice I would give is that it's, this is really a good time to listen, mm-hmm. you know, however long it takes to listen. This is a good time to listen. And so let's do that. But let's also not be silent. Excuse me. In the listening. Mm-hmm. Let's let's be sure to uh, speak from the heart, speak from that proper place, have try to have 
intellectual conversations as much as possible. You know, folks have been asking me, um, you know, what do I say to my kids? You know, I get that question a lot. What do I say to my kids? How do I teach my kids, you know, about racism? You know, and I'm, and I'm mm-hmm. like, well, you know, you got to maybe teach yourself first. You know, like like mm-hmm. you, you may, you may want to explore and, 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 you know, and read. I mean, the information is out there. This isn't a brand new topic. So, you know, it, it's, it's pretty bountiful where you can turn first. You know, there's films, there's books, there's everything. Teach yourself, learn, have conversations, discuss it, be open to learning about it, you know, and then, you know, have those conversations with your kids at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, the people that need to speak, this is the time to speak, period. Like if 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 you know you need to be speaking and and folks know who they are when you and you do, or when it arises and you're like oh damn I need to speak now like don't push that down go into that like lean into being loud and being vocal and being a voice um, for what's important right now even know? if that means you take some arrows yeah you're gonna you take know? arrows you're gonna take arrows brother I got I got. <laughs> I got arrows, I got wounds, man. And, it's and, like and, 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 you stormed the elven yeah, castle. That's it, man. You're like, <laughs> but you got to keep going, yeah. you know? I've been shot so many times by <laughs> in situations, you know, and I've, I've had my imposter syndrome popping up all the time, all over the place. Boop, 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 boop. Mm-hmm. You're not worth it. You're, you're not, you know, you, you're not good enough. No one wants to hear you. Da, 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 da. But I got to stand in what I believe in and stand in my stand. And that's an internal stand. It's not an external stand. It's an internal stand. And 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 and, and begin to just continue to speak for the people. Cause I don't just speak for myself. I don't I, I speak I speak for everyone that I bring with me, whether they are visible or invisible, mm-hmm. you know, that has brought me to this point to be able to speak out loud and to give the message um that uh that the world uh, needs to hear at this time, you know. And then, and at the end of the day, what is that message? That message is love. That's that's Amen. the that word is the word I'm going to use. People get tired of it every day. They 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 can say, oh, that word is worn out. It doesn't matter. It's still real. It's still it. It's still the only thing. Every, we can't replace it. We can't give it a nickname. We can't give it a nickname. But it's still what it is. Yeah. And I and 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 as long as we're coming from that place of presence and love with others, um, we're going to find ourselves in a brand new place in the world no doubt well this is one of the most inspiring conversations i've had in a long time man. <laughs> man, i just appreciate Aubrey, you so much thank you man for having me yeah here, for man. sure i'm fucking I'm... fired up like <laughs> i guess not you're like i feel like i'm fucking fired up this is it brother beautiful man yeah really man. beautiful it's... how can people support what you have going on with uh with new earth yeah so i mean we are right now we are really 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 heavily supporting the community with food aid um, you know, there's, there's families that just don't have it. There's, you know, folks who are, there's still 40 million people unemployed in this country pretty much. And, uh, and, uh, that need services and, and, and food and resources. So we've opened up our center a couple of days a week, uh, giving away free groceries every single week. So f- fresh produce, mostly organic, uh, at our center and, you know, and we have abundance of it. So, uh, people can show up, you know, where, uh, new earth, you can go to newearthlife.org. Uh, is our website, um, and we're in Culver City. Um, we also, you know, are uh, consistently and constantly um, moving to um, to change things. So we're gonna we're we're and what I mean by change things is that we're uh, our center is uh, is gonna be multiplying in a second. You know, we're gonna be moving more centers. I'm looking at more uh, uh, 
locally grown, locally sourced produce um, locations that mm-hmm. we can begin to pop up within our, our communities uh, to begin to sort of take care of this food desert that is happening. And, and as we talked about earlier, you know, the food and the mind are, are hand in hand, you know, um, the two brains, you know, so uh, we are we are we're looking to do that so people can come and support. I mean, we we we, we need volunteers all the time. You know, mm-hmm. um, you can find all that out on our website. You know, they can donate. Uh, we have that on our website as well. Um, and, you know, you can now have you can go to my harrygrammar.com. Want to talk to me personally? You can just hit me up on there. But that's it. You know, that's what's going on. Beautiful, man. Yeah, brother. Well, avocado tree planting initiative. I'm on, man. <laughs> I'm, in, I'm in. Let's do it. I'm all the way in. Let's, Let's do it. it. Let's go, Aubrey. I appreciate you, brother. Thank you, man. And thank you, everybody, for tuning in. So much love. Peace. Peace. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Now, as I mentioned in the intro, I'm going all in to support Dr. Grammer and his work with the New Earth Foundation. What I decided to do is create a $100,000 matching campaign. And that means that any money that you donate, I will match up to $100,000 to really get some momentum because Dr. Grammer is not only supporting the community in Southern Los Angeles, he's creating a model that can be replicated in every single city across the United States. And it cuts across so many different areas from reimagining the food supply, reimagining giving people purpose that are transitioning in and out of the criminal justice system a re-envisioning of the criminal justice system in general, of the social justice principles, of giving people a voice, of fostering communication between all the disparate parties so we actually understand each other, so we're actually really listening to each other. And this is the model that I think is going to shift the world and shift our society more than anything else that I've seen out there. So that's why I wanted to go all in. And I just really invite anybody else who's called to it and who's interested to join me in this. So go to aubreymarcus.com slash new earth and it will redirect you to Dr. Grammer's page, which has the GoFundMe and all of the different pay options so that you can support this campaign. So once again, aubreymarcus.com slash new earth. And I just deeply appreciate everybody for listening so far and for all of your support. And let's make this happen. Let's change the world. Let's make things. Let's do what we can to do the very best we can to support all of the communities that have been underserved in our world and create that justice and equality that all of us, no matter what we may believe, we all want that in our heart. And let's make it happen. So once again, that's aubreymarcus.com slash new earth. Thanks, everybody.